So I told everybody that we're going to start with this, and I'm just taking a picture of it while I'm talking about it, but you can go and see it on our Instagram, the Billfish Royal Slam Club, presented to Brett Cannon, and there's all the species, and that is so sick. Yeah, that was an amazing year, that's for sure. I mean, I want to read this. I'm, I just want to, I wanted to put this up for people to see if they're interested in looking at it, but... I almost brought some of the magazines, too. I remember you and Kit were in a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kit. First, I got to just, you know, if it wasn't for Kit, none of that would have been possible, you know. How how good of a freaking captain is he? Like, he, he owns the teams that, he's, that he fishes with most of the time. Back in the day, he did. He owned the vessel, right? And then he would put together the crew and the, well, yeah, he'd have he the captain. What was his position? Well, when he first started the sailfish stuff a long time ago, you know, he was obviously the captain, the mate, the angler, everything, him and Peter Miller. So he started from the bottom, worked his way to the top, like they say. Um, then he was the, the angler, the captain, you know, hired the, the best the best of the best, and he was arguably the get-lit fishing team was the best in the world. Insane. So they won the world championship cell fishing, the world cell fishing championship like three or four times, right? Oh, I know it was at least three. Yeah. I, I, I went shoot, through Kit's house. I went yeah. through Kit's house and the walked trophy the trophy room. The trophy it's, room's insane. Well, that's, you know what? Pete has the other half of them. And then there's some that are, he gave away. Like that's not even, that's not even half of the trophies that he has at the house. That's how unbelievable of a team he was. But... You put it into, you make it sound like it's sim- so simple because you guys do it so much. And to do that and win that consistently, I mean, you have to, there's so much that goes into it because you're, first of all, you're fishing for something that lives underwater. You can't really see, but these guys can spot them. And that's what I remember f- seeing with his cat. What was his captain's name? Quentin. Quentin. I mean, he would be like, boom, and just on it. And he would drive from the top tower straight into where the, he saw the sailfish surface at in the freaking... Now, take me through this. First, I want to I start with this. I just want to start with this again. And just so people understand what we're talking about when I've mentioned it in the past two podcasts, but Bill Fish Royal Slam Club, the International Game Fish Association, presents this certificate to Brett Cannon for successfully catching the below-listed fish within his or her fishing lifetime. Lifetime means, you know, the average lifespan of a man is like 72 and a half years, 73, and a woman's like 77 now in America. Mm -hmm. This was all done between April. This was all done in April 13th, April 9th, 2013 through May 4th, 2013. Mm -hmm. That's not a lifetime. That's a month. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So here we go. For successfully catching the below listed fish within his or her fishing lifetime or month when it comes to Kit and Brett. Spearfish, April 9th, 2013, Kona, Hawaii. Pacific Blue Marlin, April 10th, 2013, Kona, Hawaii. Pacific Sailfish, April 17th, 2013, Flamingo, Costa Rica. Striped Marlin, April 17th, 2013, Flamingo, Costa Rica. White Marlin, April 23rd, 2013, Cap Kona, Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. Atlantic Blue Marlin, April 21st, 2013, Cap Cana, Dominican Republic. Atlantic Sailfish, April 29th, 2013, Miami, Florida. Swordfish, April 25th, 2013, Marathon, Florida. Black Marlin, May 4th, 2013, Exmouth, Australia. Exmouth, Australia. Mm-hmm. Dude, you're going across the world. Yeah. I, I went mean, to Australia twice in that trip. Yeah, tell – so – that's a long story. I, I mean, want, and I remember you're going through it, and it's like vivid in my mind. I get every single aspect of everything about that trip. So Kit just calls you one day and says, we're going for the world record? We had talked about it um, when we were fishing, and you know, he's like, hey, I want to break this, this record. The previous record was like 34 days, and we had talked about it. And I, was, I never even thought that I was even going to do it. I was like, man, I'll catch byproduct, and I'll catch the fish on the back end. Whatever, after he catches it, then I'm up. Well... I don't know, a couple of turn events and I ended up getting it. We both got the record. He got 32 days and I got 26, but we both beat it. And it was the most epic trip of my life. It was the amazing race of fishing is what it was. Tell me about it. I want to, I mean, like I remember hearing it and I remember reading about it and it's, uh, 
it's one of those things to where you can't believe it that it could actually happen. If you 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 talk about the world record, you're saying that is the world record every billfish that this certificate says, or is it just marlin? Was the world record marlin? No, it was catching all nine billfish species of the world in the fastest time. And that was 26 days? 26 days. Like, that's, it's like obviously there's financial. Uh, yeah, you know, no, but first, I mean, and foremost, first and foremost, we have to understand this is, yeah, this yeah. is not, I don't want to say a rich man's game, but you have to have some money to, to be able to travel like that, have the, the boats, the access to the boats yeah. and the crew and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's not like you're just going to wake up and go, hey, I'm going to go set the world billfish record, right? No, yeah, you have to be connected with the right people. And, and like I said, I was not trying to get it. I was going to all these places with Kit. Kit was going for the record. And I was trying to video and, you know, just see all these amazing places I've never been before. And then just a turn of events that happened, I end up somehow slipping in there and getting the record. And I, I caught every fish second except the last fish, which was the black marlin egg in the mouth. I caught that first. You Say that last part again. So Kit caught every fish first that we went. Every trip we went on, he was on the rod first. Um, and he caught every fish first except the black marlin next mouth. We took turns on the swordfish because it, that was a hard, really hard fish to catch um, because they live down at like 1,700 feet and we, had to, we weren't allowed to use anything electric. It all, to be, all had to be hand cranked, so... It's tough to reel one up from 1,700 feet. And that's the electric reel to where I've done that with you. To You pretty much just set it and forget it, right? Until you, But you still have to be able to read the tip and understand yeah. when the bite's on because you don't want to reel up for nothing, right? Yeah. Exactly. So when do you reel up on a swordfish? Like when you're 1,700 feet deep on an electric reel, it takes a long time to reel that thing. 25 to 30 minutes of us just straight cranking to try to get it in. But when do you know to when to reel up? When well, do you know you'd see a, like a little bite and then, cause you're using, you know, eight to 10 pound lead to get it down to the bottom. Well, once it's down there, there wasn't much current down there. Sometimes we'll use 12 pounds, but <clears throat> as soon as you got the bite, we had like, sometimes we'd breakaways where we had a clip. If we thought we got a bite, we'd reel real hard or drop that weight and it'd, it'd come off a clip. That way we weren't reeling in a lot of weight, but Sometimes, too, since you got so much weight down there, the fish will want to rise to the surface. So you don't know that you don't have a fish on until you're pretty much got the leader. Because, like I said, sometimes you're just trying to reel up the slack because the fish is on and you don't know. So we'd reel there for 30 minutes not knowing and be like, oh, we missed him. And then the next person, your arm's so shot that you can't do it again. And we were getting bites, a lot of bites. So um, I ended up catching one and then Kit almost right before a foot before we got the leader it pulled off but you you have 20s you you i'm trying to you know put it all in perspective I mean, do you want me to go from day the start to the finish well it's like getting it's an answer out of you is like what do you do for like oh i don't know tell me about the world record well it's like hard to explain this deal too because it's one of those stories that where again nobody would freaking believe that you went around the world from from kona hawaii to Australia, to the Dominican Republic, to Florida, and in Costa Rica, and caught all nine species of billfish. To me, I, I keep looking at this, and I, I truly appreciate this gift. Brett gave me a framed copy of his Billfish Royal Slam Club certification of the world record, signed by the president of the Billfish Association and the International Game Fish Association, actually. It's a cool gift to hang in the man cave which it will be going up on the man cave wall. But I keep looking at it and I'm like, the financial commitment and sacrifice first to say, we're just going to go to Australia because we got to get this fish caught in these amount of days. That's the most intriguing part of the story is that it didn't happen on the first trip to Australia. And Australia is not just a, an hour flight like it is from no. here to Vegas. It's no. 18 hours. Like, it's a yeah. long-ass flight. Yeah, so we, we started, Kit and I were fishing, and he's like, man, I want to do it. So one day, like, it was like a week before, or I was, I was turkey hunting. And he's like, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, right now? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, I have some people in town. Can you wait till after this turkey hunt? He's like, yeah, let's go next week. I'm like, all right, this is really happening. So I bring my camera. I'm like excited. And he's our first trip is Kona, Hawaii, because that's the really only place you can target spearfish. So we go there. And, you know, the fishing was tough. I think we caught a, sail, a, a spearfish like, on our second or third day, and um, I think it, we end up catching like 
a blue one or or we don't catch a wait. Yeah, no, we catch a blue one, a blue marlin, and the spearfish was tough. So we hear about we were there for like three or four days and the fishing was just off. And we hear about a bite going off in Port Stevens, Australia, where it's like juvenile black marlin and they're catching like ten to twenty a day. So we're like, all right. Next day, we're like, boom, let's hop on a plane. We hop on a plane to Port Stevens, Australia. Go to fly to Sydney, drive a car, get a car like two hours north to Port Stevens. We uh, we get there. Well, we're in Australia. I guess a front came through, which is a southern there. Like north, I guess we get northern fronts here. Is the southern front shut the fishing off for like two days? Of course, while we're there, we're like, man, this has not been our trip. We've caught one blue marlin. Let's uh, the boat. The boat's like we didn't. We had a call and like pretty much beg some captain. There wasn't a bunch of captains at these places, so we'd be like, "Hey, we're really we're trying to do this this world record. Will you let us? You know, we move some people around, or do you have an opening, or can we fish with you?" And then someone would be like, "Yeah." So we only had two days there. Well, the front came and shut the fishing off, so we're like, "Screw it, let's go back to Kona." Um, so we go back to Kona on our way back to the airport in Sydney. My buddy Jai calls me from Australia and he's like, man, um, we're like on fire right now. We've already caught like 18 blacks. You need to turn around and come back. And we're like, oh my gosh, just really, it was like a kick in the nuts. And we're like, golly. So we go back to Kona um, and we're kind of like, man, you know what? Let's just fun fish next couple days and let's just go back and we'll try again next year maybe or something. We're kind of like, we're like, this isn't working because it's got to happen fast. If it's going to happen, you know, we need things to happen for beat this record. Well, <clears throat> we get back and we're like, the pressure's off. Let's just fun fish a couple days, our flights, whatever. So we go in, boom, we catch a spearfish, Kit catch a spearfish. I catch a spearfish. And then I think Kit was in the bathroom and the right long goes off. And I'm like, all right. I just grab it and it's a blue marlin. So I catch a blue marlin. So I catch a spearfish and a blue marlin. Now, Kit has like a spearfish you and under, a blue you marlin. You understand that most guys your age say, yeah, I, I caught a bass and a trout. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny and watching you tell this story. I'm just like, what a dick. I'm just like, want to slap you. Like, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievably blessed, man. Yeah. Kit, so, go on. So we're in Kona and um, we're like, all right, well. I have a spearfish and a black or a blue marlin in two days. Kit has like a spearfish and a blue marlin in like seven days. Cause you can always start your first fish whenever you wanted to. Like, so Kit could erase his blue marlin and started with a spearfish and try to catch another blue marlin to make his days, his days shorter. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so we're like, Hey, you know what? We're kind of onto something here. I guess kind of, he's like, Kit's like, Cabo's kind of on the way home. We should stop there and just try to catch a striped marlin. Not really trying to do the record anymore. Just trying to fun fish. So we take like a day off and I go turkey hunting in Kona. And I killed two birds, two long, bird, long beards on the last day. It was the sickest hunt. One of the sickest hunts I've ever in been Hawaii. on. In Hawaii. I killed two Rios. God, you, your life is over. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Called in like so many birds last day, starting at like, a thousand feet all the way to like six thousand feet lava. I'm calling turkeys in in lava rock. It was the sickest thing ever. Sounds bad. Yes, they're Rios. Rios, yeah, they brought Rios over. Really? Mm-hmm. Full blown Rios. And they got a good population of them. Yeah, they're everywhere. There were so many birds. It was awesome. I want to go back just to go turkey hunting. That's how fun I'll, it was. I want to go with you. It Let's was amazing. That. Yeah, because we can. Do you have somebody sharing. over there that can help us? Yeah. I don't know anything about yeah. it. Yeah, blue marlin. You can go catch like thousand pound blue marlin. When's the good time to do that? Right around when we were. April. March, I think the March, April, or no, you're there the April season, and May. Yeah, I think the season ends March 31st. Why don't we do that this year? I want to try that. It's awesome. Will Kit go? Maybe. Let's talk to him. So, yes, yeah, so Kit, Kit, we're calling you up, Planet Baby Hawaii. <laughs> so, we we're like, all right, well, Cabo's on the way. So, I go kill those two birds. We go to Cabo, and um, it's a it was awesome. Like, we catch a straight marlin on like the second day. Bait balls come in. It's crazy. All the boats run to him. You pitch some live bait and boom, we catch one. Well, mine, of course, Kit catches the first one. I catch one, but mine gets wrapped up in a rotor and a guy's motor, like in his steering. So 
I'm like, man. So in Spanish, the guy's trying to tell him to go, because one of his guys threw over my line, hooked my line, and we're telling him, hey, you got to go under the boat. You only touch the other guy's line because he can't touch my line or, or that fish is DQ'd, right? So he jumps in the water, gets my line off the rotor, and I catch his fish. And I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm like, there's no way that this guy didn't touch my line. I'm like, this strike marlin doesn't count for me, but it's cool. I caught him, whatever. We weren't thinking about the record. Well, we get that, and he's gets like, all right, we're in Cabo for a couple of days. Um. And then, and then we go to, we go to Flamingo, Costa Rica. It's like, well, that Flamingo, Costa Rica is kind of on the way home. <laughs> so we stop at Costa Rica. <laughs> I'm going to slap this <laughs> So we go there, we fish with uh, this guy. Um, we first get there and the boat's like broke down. It's like smoking bad. We're like, man, it was hot. It was like 120 degrees. Didn't have AC in the room. It was like, man. All right, this trip's not starting off great, but we go in, um, catch a bunch of Pacific sailfish. Catch like nine. The water was dirty, but still we saw some tailors. It was cool. And then the last fish, Kit sees like, Kit's got eyes like no other in the ocean. It's stupid. Um, And he's like, hey, I think I just saw something tailing like 400 yards away. I'm like, Kit, no way. So the boat captain drives over there, sure as shit. I'm right long. There's a striped marlin. I catch another striped marlin. So now I'm like not worried about that other striped marlin that that guy messed with. I caught this one straight up. So uh, we get our we get our fish we needed there, and then we're like, hey, um, I guess we should just go home. So we go home. We catch a sailfish on Kit's boat on the get lit, and then we drive down to Marathon and fish, and I believe that's how it went i went i caught a uh a swordfish and then um kit didn't get kits like kind of pulled off and last right before the leader then we went out the next night and it was so rough raining like 60 degrees raining nasty we went out again there nighttime and we didn't get a bite so we came back in and then we flew out to um dominican republic <laughs> so this was an interesting trip because we went there um you know trying to get the white marlin and the blue marlin well it was nasty 14 to like 16 footers they were like closing the inlet they didn't even really want us to go out we didn't get on plane it was, it was so rough that we just put we just started trolling out from the inlet and i'm like man i put all my stuff in a ziploc bag and i'm like Dude, this is nasty. I'm in a 62-foot Garlington boat. The captain's like Tim Richards. And we're going out, and we're using these small these small lures trying to catch white marlin. And I think we were using like 40-pound leader. 20-pound test, 40-pound leader. Kit and I both catch a white marlin. Kit catches his, and I catch mine. And then we're on the – I'm just sitting there on the left long. All of a sudden, but boom, fight it. I fight a 250-pound blue marlin on stand-up on 40-pound leader for two and a half hours straight in 14 to 16-foot seas. There was times where... 14 to 16? Yeah. Like, that's as scary as it gets. Yeah. That's bad, bad. Yeah, it was nasty. I mean, you couldn't... Every time that we would back down on and try to back down this fish, water was over the covering boards in the back of the boat. Like, that means the water, the whole cockpit was full of water over the covering board. Kit, the, the boat was te- like like this, like insane, like vertical. And Kit would be like, hey, you got to go forward, dude. You got to go forward. And the guy would have to, we'd have to open the door and go haul ass forward. It was nasty. I lost, I, when I was done, I had nine blisters. And I had, I was starting to lose motor function because I was just so worn out. Because it was so rough. Water in my face, it was just nasty. I couldn't talk. I was like, it was so bad. So um, I finally got leader, dude. It was just the most amazing feeling <laughs> getting the leader on that fish, especially on 40 pound. Um, but I catch that fish and then we get home. If, if you hold on, let me stop you for a second. 
if you would have had a heavier, are you kind of being timid with your fight in the way you're executing the, 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 the catch because of the, the weight of the line? If you'd have had heavier line, do you get more aggressive because he won't break off and be in that big of a fish? Mm-hmm. What were you trying to catch again on a 40 foot line? We're, I mean, on a 40 pound to, line? We were trying to catch like 40 to 80 pound and this white is, marlin. And this is a 250 pound blue. Yeah. On a 40 pound test, like this is, you got to be kind of. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a 40 pound leader. You got to be, you got to be pretty timid on how you fight this fish, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. The really meticulous. Tip, yeah, the rod tip was, it was a super light rod and it was bending at the back, like bending at the grip. That's how light this rod was with this fish. And I'm just slowly trying to pull this fish up. And it got down in a water column where it didn't want to get out of. It stayed at like probably like 250 feet down and just did not want to move. And it, it was so rough, so nasty. I remember the captain screaming mad, cussing, like, because he just couldn't turn that boat. And it just wouldn't do anything because the waves were so big and it was crashing over. And it was just filling the whole cockpit up. It was like, it was scary at times. I mean... At one point, all the water in the boat started rocking that all the side compartments opened and all everything in the compartments came out of the boat. And were in so it's just like badass turbulence in a plane ride, like scary-ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The cat, one of the mates, went in and tried to get this stuff in and the door closed on his arm and he thought he broke it, so he like ran in. So I was doing it by myself. Okay, he went in and like, I'm like in tears, like he thought he broke his arm. So he's like sitting there and I'm like, Dude, kids filming from up top and have it all on film and it's just it's just gnarly. It's nasty. I gotta see this. Yeah. Fourteen but. to sixteen foot swells. And okay, keep going. I'm gonna hear the Yeah, so we get that, we get those fish. I get that fish. Um it was like so rough. We tried for blues or something, didn't get any, or I can't remember exactly why. Um we we got done there and we flew back home. I want to say we tried for swordfish again or something and it just didn't work out and we were like all right let's go to uh let's go to Exmouth. it's crazy you drive you fly we flew from fort lauderdale to sydney australia from sydney to perth then from perth to Exmouth. then we had to drive and i'm driving now on the other side of the road there's like hazard it's crazy Kangaroo, like kangaroos dead bouncing. kangaroos on the side of the road like <laughs> I'm driving on the opposite side, you know, and uh, there's like live mines in this field and stuff. And if I can go off the road, I'm like, we're going to hit a mine. Like it's in, like I'm in the middle of nowhere. We get out there and there's like 30 cell phone tower looking things that are as tall as the Empire State Building, I guess some kind of US something. I don't know. But we get out there, it's the breeding grounds for great uh, whale sharks. So they had like a pretty nice little setup where people come in and like, do this stuff but the marlin fishing is awesome and i guess um we didn't catch one the first day which would have been on my birthday and i think we caught one the second day and i caught i was the first up and i caught a black first one actually zing powed which is like as soon as it bit something happened and it it broke the line and i was like oh that's weird so the next one we ended up i ended up catching yeah. i remember black marlin like 100 and <clears throat> like 25 pounder so that concludes the... That was all nine for me. Yeah, I got nine. it. So Kit had... Now Kit caught one right after, and he had... I want to say he had eight, and he just needed the... He just needed um, the swordfish. So he went back, and he ended up catching a swordfish, and then he's like, you know what? I can I can beat my time again if I re-catch my blue marlin. So then he flew back to Panama City, <laughs> and he caught a blue marlin, and he got 32 days. So who's the world record holder? I am. You're but the world record holder of catching, Kit. Yeah. but Kit made it happen. Yeah, it's we all get Kit. That. I mean, it's yeah, all Kit. Yeah, we know this. Kit. Kit's the man. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about uh, just a sweetheart of a man that has a has had a very blessed life, but you wouldn't know it when you meet him. He's just oh, yeah. as down to earth as it gets, and he's so giving and generous. How do you pronounce his last name? Is it to- to- Tumi? Tumi, right? Mm-hmm. I always say Tome. And he's like, I'm not... <laughs> he's just I love him and he does not look like a world record bill fishing three time four time world selfish gem he's so unassuming and you're just like dude do you even know how to bait a hook and then he gets in a boat and it's like and he's so good at it now he's just in it for the freaking he likes filming his guys having success and yeah, he just likes watching everybody else do it now yeah I wish that he would do a virtual tour of his trophy walls 
not only is it cool that he won them, but the way these sail fishing tournaments make their trophies in the in yeah. the bill fishing tournaments, their trophies are like legit yeah. trophies, right? Yeah. Like his yeah, he started in the eighties, dude. Like when the tournaments first came out, he was he was at the first center console, like right and like it was I don't I would like to know how many tournaments he's fished in, how many tournaments he's won, and actually how much money he's won in the fishing tournament scene. It's gotta be insane. Because he won so much. I mean I have they give you those big, huge checks, you know, when you win. I have a couple of them just randomly in my office that are like, it's like 40,000, 50,000, 26,000. And it's just from one tournament we fished in. And he's done, he, and I got, all, I got part of that team in the like last run, like the last couple years. But they were, they were doing that for 20 years, like just winning everything. What is the trick? I remember fishing against them. When I was fishing with Timbo with, on the vitamin C, and it'd be like, oh, here comes to get lit again. They caught like 50 in one day in a tournament. And it was like, the next boat had like 10. But let's not take anything away from get from vitamin C. Yeah. And vitamin C too. Like Tim Maddox, a legit, legit bill fisherman. Yeah. Like he's, he's like, uh, he, how could I explain Tim Maddox? Here's the best way. And I don't know if people out there in the podcast world will get this comparison but and i don't know if you will because i'm older than you but he's the gary Busey of bill fishing and when you look up gary Busey, you'll know what i mean cigar crazy hair freaking doesn't give a flying rat's ass he's gonna win and he's going for broke and i'm talking eight ten feet out of the water our boats are jumping over waves and yeah he's, he's just right. he's, he can he's, drive a boat dude. Yeah, yeah you can drive a boat not like him yeah. but not he, like him no. like he's yeah. the best i've ever seen but that I've in my short experience on the ocean that he's I feel so safe with Tim Maddock mm -hmm. and we're doing some crazy ass shit. I mean we're flying. Yeah, Quentin's really good too. Quentin's good. Quentin. Yeah. And, and I, I don't have, really I've only it. fished with Quentin once. Mm -hmm. Tim is just and now his son Timmy. Like you talk about water babies. The, the memories that are, are so vivid in my mind about Tim Maddock are the way he drives a boat, the way he gets his bait fish, the way he gets his boat prepared in the morning. He's got ADD on steroids, just boom, boom. Like he's no, just yeah, like, he's, he's got so, and like it's amazing to see it all come together. He's won, the, he's won tons of competitions. Mm -hmm. And then his son now, Timmy Jr., Dude, he's obsessed. Like this, like you talk about having it in your blood. With I'm talking, he's texting me going, "Well, which waiter should I get? Which decoy should I get?" And I'm like, "You live in Florida, dude. Are you he sure just you're talking to the right?" Head today, did you see it? Yeah, I he saw that. He's badass, yeah. and I love it. Like he's so obsessed with it. He's guiding already, and he can drive a boat on the ocean already at a young age. Just he's like his dad, and yeah. it, it just shows you that we are products of our environment. Mm -hmm. You don't do what Tim Maddock or Brett Cannon or Kit Tommy Toomey does. Toomey. Toomey. You don't do that if you grow up in Reno, Nevada in the mountains chasing chucker birds and mule deer. Yeah, you sorry. know what I mean? Yeah. You didn't grow up in Florida, but you got there at an age where you got, and you got hooked up with the right people to where now you're a badass on the water. And I think that if people look at that kind of a life, and I don't mean that you got to be the best and you don't have to be the world champion or the world record holder, Brett Cannon and Kit Toomey, but to be able to do what you and your dad and Kit and Tim Maddock do with these boats, and I know that a lot of people do it, but I've been on boats that aren't as precise as yours. You guys do it with precision. And that to me in life, that's something that I want to achieve. I, first, I wanted to become a good duck boat driver because I sucked at it. And now I practice every year of m being able to maneuver and ha when to give it gas and when to let off the throttle and when to bring the prop out of the water and when to put it back in the water and how deep to put it in the water and how to trim it up and trim it down and da-da-da-da-da. And it's, it's a science and it's mm -hmm. an art. And if you're good at it, you know when you're with a good boat driver and you feel confident and you feel safety, right? Yeah. These, these guys... You guys are doing things that I think every man should look at and, and every woman should be like, I want to become that proficient driving a boat on the ocean, being able to take people all the way to the Bahamas and catch fish and be safe and do the, and then, and then you put the competition's flavor on it. And that's a whole other story. Mm -hmm. The things that these guys are doing is like, if, if people can picture the way that I picture it and how vivid these memories are in my mind. And, and the other thing that I wanted to mention about Tim Maddock is the hogfish that he catches, which people think hogfish, what's that? Like, it's not a very, it's they not spear a, them. they spear them. I mean, yeah. You die for them and you mm -hmm. spear them, but I'm talking the, the eating of it. Dude. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, I don't think there's, is there a better fish? It's hard. That's good. It's, it's way really good. good. Your mom, your mom's mahi is amazing. But that, good. that hogfish that Maddox does with that lemon and the little butter mm -hmm. and he bakes it, it's yeah. safe. It's healthy. 
good. People hear butter and they're like, I don't know if I can eat that. And I'm like, dude, come on. It's grass fed. I, it's grass fed. <laughs> <laughs> it's grass fed hogfish. But <clears throat> I'm just painting a little picture and I want people to understand this on you wake up in the morning and these guys live on the intercoastal and you have the ability to go and walk out your back door and get in your boat. Again, blessed. It's nice. It's really nice to have that. Your dad doesn't live on the intercoastal. He lives more in the parkland area. So he has the trailer boat, but he also has a spot, a slip at the, at the club to where his boat's always in the yeah. water and ready to go. Yeah, they, it stays at a marina. He calls much, the yeah. marina and says, get my boat ready and boom. And that's a blessing too, to be able to afford to do that. That means hard work's paying off. Yeah, you deserve every bit of it. it. You work hard, enjoy it. Keep mm-hmm. kicking some ass. The, the bait fishing is interesting to me. Because we've done it both ways. We've netted and we've bought. Mm-hmm. What's, why is it sometimes we go out and throw the big tarp nets and catch our own fish or we go find the 18-year-old kid on a paddleboard or we stop at the marina and buy bait fish and, and, and pay for boat dock gasoline at $77 a gallon or whatever it costs. <laughs> I love when Leith goes, it's higher than boat dock gasoline. <laughs> anyway, but what, what is the dip? Why do we do it? catching them someday is that just for is it personal Some, preference yeah i mean if the, we will net pilchards a lot of times pilchards or or herring or something but a lot of like if we're trying to do goggle eyes you know we'll either have to buy them or or it's just time if i have enough time and they're biting you know we'll go out a couple nights before we'll catch a couple hundred and put them in a pin and then use them but those things are a hundred hundred dollars a dozen Sometimes, you know, depending. And there's guys out there catching. That's what they do for a living is catch goggle eyes. And so, so we'll, we'll either buy them from the, our buddies that are catching them, kind of support them, you know, because they're out there doing it. We, we, we help them out. A lot of times they'll come in, they need batteries because they're on their boats every day. So we'll kind of barter some batteries out for some bait or stuff like that. So if we want, if we know that there's a bunch of live bait, we'll get a bunch, we'll, we'll net pilchards so that way we can, you know, have those you know, to, to chum in the water, but it all depends on what, what we're doing. So I don't know what to talk about next. I want to talk about your dad's boat so bad, but it doesn't matter what boat you're on. Now it's time to fish. Mm-hmm. You're, let's say that we are targeting sales. We've had days where we've caught double digit sales. I have not me personally catching them, but on the boat with you guys where we've had double digit days of selfish. Is it common to catch 10, 15 sales in a day, or is that unreal day? No, it's an unreal day. That's an amazing day. Yeah. It's lucky to get one? Yeah, a lot. I mean, majority of people have never called one. So, yeah, just to get one. I mean, when you do it the way we, we do it, I mean, if you had, if you, we only caught one a day, that's, we're not successful for us. We're like, man, it's a slow day. We like to catch. Now, I mean, the fishing's getting slow. It's all seasonal. It's all timing. It's, there's a lot involved. But if we catch five now, I'm, I'm happy with five. If I catch a person their first one, I'm happy no matter what, you know. But I'd like to catch at least five in a day to be a successful day. Me personally. You, you, I li- mean. you live the, you, you're in the intercoastal and you got your bait. You got your crew ready. Mm-hmm. When we fun fish, we don't have a crew. When you're competition fishing, you guys have a, a crew that knows their job and they stick to that job. They know what they're doing that day. Yeah. You come out of the, the, the waterway and you're in the inlet and now you see the ocean. Okay, you judge the seas, you've been watching the weather report, you know what the seas are doing, the timing's there, you know that the migration's on, they're moving up the coast, they're starting to move up towards where they do, do they, they move down? They move down, so mm-hmm. they're, where are they coming from? Somewhere up north, I guess they use like they, Maryland? Yeah, it depends. I mean, we like to fish fronts when a, a north, the north wind and then a north current creates like a big swell, and they'll use that swell to kind of like surf it down sea and they'll kind of come down. Sounds like a duck hunter. Yeah. The migration. So now you know the sales are in the area based on the forecast, based on knowledge, based on knowing the waters. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Kit knows the freaking waters. Obviously, you and and Timmy and your dad know the waters. Mm -hmm. We've caught fish that are, you could see the beach. I mean, we're not even a mile off of Fort Lauderdale Beach or Lighthouse. 100 100, 100 feet, 130 feet. 130 feet deep. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the next thing we're doing? When we come into the, we get to the right debt, you, you pick a debt to start fishing? Yeah, I try to stay around there. I mean, I'll look for blue water, right? I want to find an edge. I want to find something. I just don't just set up. I always look. I don't just put my baits out. It has to be something. I got to see something. I got to see a flopper, okay, which so is talk a fish of, jumping. Okay. Or I got to see, 
like I said, an edge. I got to make sure I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, hey, do I have north current here? And all this stuff I learned from Tim. I learned from Kit. I learned from Quentin. All this, you know what I mean? I'm just a sponge when I'm out there with these guys. So I'm paying attention. Yeah, I'm like asking me, questions. Yeah, exactly. So I go out and I stop. I'm like, all right, what kind of current do I have? I have a south current. All right, I'm going to run north to see if I can find some north current. I'm going to call buddies. Hey, do you have north current up here? Is it north current down south? Like it, it all changes, right? So I find something that I want to fish. Whether it's an edge, whether it's current, I see bait, I'm marking bait, I got birds, I got something. So I put them out. If I don't have anything, I'm like, all right, let me go to like a stink hole or a wreck or go over something where I know there's some structure that's going to hold something. So we get the, we get it out. We can say we stop. It's good. 130 is a good base, right? They can be in 100, they can be in 90, they can be in 200, 250, whatever. Uh, so set the bait, set up. We're going to throw some kites out. We're going to fly kites. We're going to have three baits on each kite, two gogs on the longs, and hopefully some short. We'll have some pilchards or something on the shorts. And we're just going to sit there, and we're going to keep the baits elevated right on the surface, and we're going to try to beat the fish to the bite. Right? We're going to see, hey, here comes one on the right long. Come up. Somebody's got a rod on hand, free spool, and we're on. And we're catching them. And we're catching a bunch of them, hopefully. <laughs> what else do you look for visually besides blue water? The things that I've seen you guys look for, and correct me if I'm wrong, but birds flying and dipping down. Birds, yeah. Birds on bait, right? And then the bait, and then the, hopefully the sails are on bait. You're also, we've also used binoculars or looked for logs, something floating that will have moss on it that has bugs, that has something that the, the fish that center around. Explain that to me. What are they doing? If you, we've like your dad is go, go to that log or you'll be like, Hey, hit that log over there. Yeah, There's a floating tree. Ma- or yeah. Mahi and stuff like that. Cause it's got barnacles on it means it's been in the water a long time. That a lot of times I don't mean there's some bait under it in the bait, wherever you find bait normally then there's going to be mahi or other fish or but, wahoo stuff like that so when you say mahi and you're talking about a dorado you're not you 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 never ever say well there's going to be sails too you're not looking really, for something floating not so really. you're not looking for birds or something floating for sails birds sometimes yeah birds sometimes a frigate could be on some bait or it could be on birds diving we're going to go over there and look for sure okay so now you but that's in that area. Like when we're out searching for birds and logs and stuff, we're normally in the deep water and we're going and looking for mahis. So now you're, you're at 130 feet deep. You know that the run's on. You have a visual of blue water. And now, boom, what happens? We, the thing that I remember the most is the kites. You, we're flying kites. Yeah. You're flying kites off the back of the boat with, there's like three visuals on each kite line where there's, you're yeah. watching those kites, right? Because if they pull, get pulled down hard, that means that there's a bite on. Is that what you're looking for is for that kite to just be? No, okay, what know, do, it doesn't really, the kites kind of just set there with the wind. Like the fish doesn't normally pull the kite down unless it's real light wind and we have helium balloons up. Well, the fish, normally you're watching the cork, right? We have real hot, like, pink corks on there to actually watch the fish and what the bait's doing and kind of where it's where what level we have our bait in the water so we're watching that a lot of times we're trying to keep the bait on the surface so we can see the black they look like black trash bags coming up underneath the, the bait we're like okay we want to try to see the fish that's a captain's job or a spotter's job is to see the fish before we actually get to bite because you don't want the fish to feel the bait pluck your bait off or do something like that so you're sitting there waiting with the rod in your hand or Hopefully you beat that fish and there's no pressure. He he bites it, you go to free spool, let him eat it, and then you come tight because you got to use circle hooks. So, if you you're always telling me watch the kites, watch the kites. Is that do? Am I remembering that wrong? No, watch your baits. So you're watching. You're just you just. You want to watch pretty your kite. much. Pretty much the kite is just for the fisherman to know where his baits are at. Then yeah, the kite just sets it sets up so you can get the baits out there. So you never, like, the mate, or it'll be me watching the kite. If the kite starts to go down or something like that, I'll know what to do to try to fix it. You're just watching your corks that are on each, because you have three baits, three rods connected to the kite line on three different clips at at different, actually, distances away from the boat. The right long is obviously the furthest, the right middle, and then a short. And you're watching all your kites, trying to make sure all your baits are in the water, and then, you know, your baits aren't too deep because you don't want the billfish to get its bill wrapped in the line. Just You just want it to be right, right? So that's what we're telling you. Hey, keep your bait up. A couple cranks. Make sure everything's right. That way we have 
a really good shot at catching this fish when it comes up. So you, you're, you keep saying watch your baits, and we talked about buying bait or catching bait. What's the number one go-to bait for you for sales? Um, obviously, it's the goggle eyes. It's, we're using gogs. Um, they're, they're really good baits for what we're doing. They stay alive a long time. And then, you know, pilchards or, or threadies, you know, thread fitting herring. It's another one. We want big threadies on our shorts or maybe on our mids. Some days the, the, the sales want the goggle eyes and some days they want the threadies. If we can get some cigar minnows, we'll get some cigar minnows. I mean, it's all about what the bait, what they want. You want to have a variety in your boat depending on what those sailfish want on that day. Like so sometimes, it's kind of like bass fishing. You just got to keep, you, or fly fishing, you match the hatch. You look for what's going on, you try to match a fly with that. Like you don't know going out there what they're going to be eating that day per se. Mm-hmm. You got to have, you got to have an idea, you got to have an idea, but you also have to have a variety and a little bit of an arsenal of like, hey, if this isn't hitting right away, we're going to switch to another kind of bait. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, we'll call every time in a tournament when our friends catch one or something like that. It's not like, not everyone's not out to get each other. So it's like, hey, so-and-so just caught one down the line. Let's see what depth he was and what he's like. We'll be like, hey, how deep? He'll be like, oh, 160. What bait? Oh, he ate a thready. Okay. And we'll try to get a rhythm or try to figure out, hey, where are these fish? Are they in 140 or when they 160? Are they eating all threadies? Are they eating gogs? Are they coming in first? Because there's sometimes, you know, they'll go, they'll swim past the goggle eye to eat a thread fin. And there's sometimes that they'll just go, they'll just eat whatever they want to eat. It doesn't matter. So we're just trying to figure out out that during the tournament time got we got the kites out baits are on the visuals are out how long do you fish a certain spot i'm trying to get the feeling like you know compared to other fishing if they're not biting in this area you move down the river you you move spots like it's hard it's if you got the current you got the right everything looks right it's just a matter of time before they come down right so sometimes it's like man let's hold this out let's hold this out if you're hearing on the radio if the radio is going off to where they're up north and the fish you'll know it'll be radio silence and then all of a sudden it's like boom it's hooked up because they got a call in every fish boom so-and-so's hooked up so-and-so's hooked up boom boom boom. you're like man they're up north you got to make a haul you got to lines in, let's go, let's get them reeled in, make a run. Sometimes it's like, hey, fishing slow, let's just, let's just hang out here. Hopefully a pack will come back because they're, they're pack hunters, right? They come in and they, they feed in a, in, a, in a school. So hopefully you get multiples. And, you know, sometimes it's best just to sit, sit put, sit tight, and just have your baits, change your baits out, make sure your baits are lively, and just, they call it a charter boat drift. You just sit there and let the current take you north and, is there sometimes you see these videos and I know that you've done it, Pete's done it, Kit's done it, but off the back of the boat, there's something that's kind of trailing the boat that's like shiners or something. Is there a dredge? They call it a dredge. Can yeah, explain that to me. It's just a it's supposed to just mimic a, a bait fish, like a of a school of bait fish. So it's just attractant. Helps attract them. Some sails. And they see like, oh man, there's a school up here. Let me go see what's going on. So it's almost like a spinning wing decoy for ducks yeah, yeah. or or a, a flasher for a bobcat on a trap line. Yeah. Sometimes or you a, put a CD or, or DVD. flagging if you're flagging. <laughs> no, that's that's for geese. For right? flagging geese. Yeah. But as far as they're looking at that flash, they're seeing that flash and being attracted mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. it. Exactly. It works. So you don't, what is the law on billfish? Swordfish are an edible fish. Swordfish steak is insane. Mm-hmm. So you can. How, is there a limit per year for when you go to Florida? Yeah, there's you, a limit per day. Per day. Mm-hmm. So you can catch more than one a season. Yeah. Um, I think you're allowed one a day to keep, and it's got to be like 60 inches. I want to say or something. So it's like fishing for to, sturgeon in some of the rivers out west here. Yeah, the sailfish are actually pretty good smoked. Um, you can really take good. a sailfish out of the water. Mm-hmm. You can kill one. Really. Mm-hmm. But we never do. We never do. Yeah, it's. Um, it almost seems like a lot better fish. They're too there. majestic. Yeah. As far as being, they're beautiful. There's not a better fish to catch. Maybe marlin, but Very to eat there are yeah. for sure. They're oh, just yeah. so awesome, man. Yeah, they jump. They put on a show. It's really cool, dude. I love it. Like, really cool I want to go see right how now. Excited people get when they catch them too. Just oh, to like, cool. you know, get it's a pucket list fish for a lot of people. So it's it's just cool. So to, that's got to make you feel good with how many first timers you've put on fish. Oh, yeah. 
myself, Todd Jassic, Benny Jassic. I mean, there's been so many yeah. people in, in mean, your boats. Gary Allen, freaking Nick uh, Munt. Nick Munt. I, we took um, Lee, like Lee Bryce came on it. The boat, Tyler Farr, Jared Neiman. We've had Tyler Jordan. We've had um, Kyle Bush. Um, you had uh, Joe Gibbs. Joe I mean, Gibbs. there's so many people, but it's like even. Libre said it best. Like you kept saying, you love seeing it. He's like, man, I feel like I'm a. It's like a NASCAR pit crew. And that's what it's like. It's what it's like. I'm telling like you, it's everybody like working in that in that environment. It's awesome. Like it's, it's just if, cool. if people haven't done it, they got to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it'd be cool to be able to have the opportunity to befriend Brett Cannon and get invited, which is not a. It's not a a, a thing you take for granted. Like to be able to I, have that a buddy that can get you to do that kind of stuff. And, and affords you that opportunity to go out and do that. And I've been invited several times and caught fish every time. And I'm just like, it's so addicting. It's so the lifestyle that you guys live down there. I look at Tim and I'm like, I'm so envious that you get to walk out and get in your boat and you and you and tip or tip and, and, and be able to just have that at your disposal every day. If you yeah. want to do it. And Take I don't, it for granted sometimes. You, I hope you don't. And I, we do. I mean, all I of do. us do. We have Lake Tahoe right here, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. We want to go to Tahoe every day, and we don't. Yeah, everyone that I've talked to so far has been like, you have to go to Tahoe. You have to go see it. It's beautiful. It's this and that. I'm like, man, I want to go see it. But it's the same thing. I live where people vacation, and I just, it just, to me, I just, sometimes I do. I take it for granted. But it's, when I get there and I see how, like, you talk about it and other people, I'm like, man, all right. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really awesome to be able to do the things that we get to do in our backyard. It's, it's really cool. And, I, and I'm super fortunate because I get to barter this out, right? So that's why I, how I do it. I'm like, hey, you got some land you want to kill me? I can yeah, kill a deer on? Yeah. Come, I'll put you on your first, I'll, I'll put you on a gator. I'll put you on sailfish, swordfish, Osceola whatever you want to do. turkey. Osceola. And that's how I'm fortunate enough to do all the things I get to do because I don't have to pay for it. As far I don't, I'm not paying outfitters. I don't go with outfitters. I go with people that have some property, they own land. I get to kind of make my own decisions on where I get to hunt, do my own things because they come down and they kill stuff with me and catch stuff with me. So it's a, it's a, it's a cool deal. So if anyone's out there that's got some land, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's looking for a farmer with a beautiful daughter that has good no, hunting land. Oh, you do? I do have a girlfriend. What? Yeah, it's crazy. You have a girlfriend? Yeah. A serious one? Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah. Tell me about this, honey. She's awesome. Her name? Emily. Florida? Nope. Long distance, of course. They call me, my friends call me long distance Brett, or long range Brett. Where does the girl live? Uh, in a small town in Louisiana. Oh, so she's still down there in the south? Yeah. Not too far girl. from you. Hour no. flight, hour and a half, two hour yeah, flight? Yeah, it's, it's a cheap, simple flight. Does she like to fish? Yeah. Does she like fishing, to hunt? Loves it. She's getting, yeah. She's, she's an outdoors girl. Yeah. Well, good for you, buddy. I yeah, had trainer, no idea. Everything. Sorry, ladies. Brett Cannon <laughs> is off the market. Yes. You heard it here first. <laughs> Don't be sending him private messages on any of his social media platforms. Don't be trying to run her, Emily's game, all right? Emily's got him tied down. He's fit to be tied down like our boy Sammy Kershaw said so well. Um. The, the the whole lifestyle though the the <clears throat> the friendship I love it I, I I love you like a brother but the lifestyle that you guys live it's one of those ones I hate to be envious of anything or I don't get jealous I love my life I I'm humbled by it but it's just something about that part of Florida that lifestyle what you guys do is so cool and so neat and then on the other side of the table Tim Maddox like I want to go duck hunting with you so it's all the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass could be a little greener on the other side. It's all just love it. Grass live is it. green everywhere. Yeah, the grass that. is green everywhere. And like my life's awesome. Your life's unbelievable. We get to share it with each other. We get to talk about it. We get to live through each other vicariously. I love seeing your posts. I love when you text me pictures. I love the videos of Marlins jumping out of the water. And and I and, and Kit had this day last year. He was on a boat. No, he just got back from a boat. They caught 355 striped Marlin in like... Three days. And last year he did the same thing in I mean, Mexico. Yeah, he, he just Mexico went to Mexico again? again, yeah. Yeah, last year he caught like Man 400. Something bay. Like is it fish tank, fish tank? Fish tank? Fish tank, yeah. They're on a, like a tear. They're just, they're tearing it up. Like, Who they are, are they? They're a couple of our buddies that we met, Kit and I met fishing in, I think we met them first in Capcana. And then when Kit had his boat there. So I used to take summers with Kit and I used to go and catch uh, Blue Marlin in Dominican Republic. Kit would have his boat, has a captain drive his boat out there. And it'd be there for the whole summer. 
and Chris and Laura Jensen both had their boat out there and we kind of met that way. And then actually Chris was on the boat when I caught my swordfish for the record. And then, you know, I fished on, I fished with Chris and them for a couple of years in the Los Sueños Triple Crown Series in Costa Rica, which is amazing. And it's just the fishing's just so insane. And they they just fish and they fish a lot and they they're gonna break all kinds of records because they're just addicted beyond belief. It's a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. Do she's yeah she's she has all kinds of women's records for. Most fish tagged and most fish caught in Blue Mart. I mean, she's one of the best female anglers on, in the world. What was the girl's name that you used to fish for? Is that the same girl, right? No, no. That I just did. I I filmed actually for like a little bit on a season for a lady. Uh, her her fish was her team was the uh, oh what was it called the Sandman. The Sandman. That's yeah. what it was. What was the name of the TV show that we used to watch at Tim's house all the time? The the cell fishing tournament show. Is it still on? I don't think so. I don't remember. No, I remember. I, I used to love watching that because Tim was on it, smoking <laughs> his cigars. And I don't know, man. It's just a cool thing to to know that I could live, you know, be out in Nevada or be duck hunting in Saskatchewan, and I have that to look forward to. To come down to Florida and get on your dad's conch, or in let's talk about this thing on the conch, like. These these things are made for fishing offshore. Yeah, they're indestructible. Yeah. He has four four fifties or three four fifties on it. Three four hundred. Three four hundreds on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. What the hell is he thinking? Like, what yeah. does he? What, where does he need to get to? He's got to get somewhere fast. I guess the man's getting old. I guess it's like midlife crisis thing. Maybe I don't know. Ooh, I don't wrong. know. I don't no, know. <laughs> no, it's awesome. Wrong. It's awesome. I mean, three four hundred. It's all wrapped interstate batteries. It's got. 70 rod holders on it now we got a station on top where you can drive on top like a little tuna tower um, what, what benefit does that give of having a tower just so much better to see visual yeah visual seeing you can just see so much more and that's why those boats have those towers those big boats and you get up there and oh my gosh you can see it's insane because that's where quentin always drives from is yeah, way up top yeah he would not leave the crow's nest he never would, mm-hmm. but he's so good at spotting fish; it's unbelievable. Yeah. So the, yeah, our our new boat. It's you gotta get on it, man. It's insane. The speaker. See, my dad. He's like, when you go out, if you do not crank this song up to the max, the level twenty is what it maxed out to. Then don't use it. Like he's, it's got like what song is your dad when you play Def Leppard? I don't remember. Your he's dad's got a so rocker. Many. Your dad's a rocker, dude. He's got like this new rattlesnake song. You gotta f- play or this other. Oh, I don't know, man. He's wild. what are you listening to these days when you're out? I mean, I know you like Stapleton, I know you love Kit Kit Moore, but who are you listening to a bunch right now? Mm-hmm. Man, I'm I haven't dude, I've been doing pod on the podcast thing, man. You know, really? yeah, I've just been podcasting on my road trips. And if I'm in it, I'm just I just like music, man. I so I play, I'm whatever I'm feeling, but it's funny that he's got like 15 or 20 JL speakers in this boat, your two does. huge subs. It rocks, dude. It, like all kinds of underwater lights, lights. It's just, it's just pimp. But yeah, no. I mean, I'm listening to everything. I mean, I'm listening to Sergio. I'm listening to Stapleton. I listen to Leith. I listen to Tyler Farr. I listen to all my friends. You know. Um, let's see. There's some new stuff out that's pretty good, but some Texas country. Oh, like- I know. I got some stuff I've been listening. I want you to listen to Brent Cobb. Yeah, yeah. I need to listen to him. Hayes Carl, okay. out of Texas. He's mm-hmm. country music. He's he's Texas red dirt music. You like Stony Larue? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Stony's got some new stuff that's out that's awesome. I've been listening to a ton though of like uh, Zach's old stuff, rocking mm-hmm. it. A lot of I don't. Yeah, know, I went man. through a Drake fan, a Drake stage for a while where it's the only thing I listened to. Drake White or Drake yeah. the rapper? Drake White. He, uh, yeah, your is, boy. I listen he's to insane. Zach. I mean, I also he's insane to talent. Yeah, he is so. I watched him live in in Kansas because I go to Kansas. Obviously, that's where one of my leases are, and uh, I go to um, what was it? I think it's like the Red Light District. What is it called over there? I don't know. There's some place in Kansas. Gaslight. Yeah, or something like that. And he's played the PBR there. PBR bar. Yep. Up at the PBR. Yeah, I've listened to Drake a couple times out there. He's, he's so awesome. good live. It's like insane to listen to him live. And then you listen to some other guys and it's like, come on, man. He's just like, he, it's like, he's a master of the stage. 
he he can he owns a stage like you know he's just got a lot of that soul in him kind of like a like a james brown meets freddie mercury had an affair with axel rose and robert plant at the same time and yeah. they had this kid and, and he's Drake, very unique and he's, he's, he's a just a unique, unique artist yeah. good songwriter and uh, it just it shows you like what does it take like how can somebody like that not be the biggest thing in country music even though Stapleton probably is right now and he's unreal. Like there's guys that sell out big arenas. Garth's amazing. Luke Bryan's selling out arenas. Jason Aldean selling. Eric Church's tour is hot ticket right now. But like Drake is, I mean, he's strong, right? Yeah. I just don't understand how he can't, why he's not in that position. And he he's will. On, he's going through it. He's growing. Yeah, but he's on another level good about stage, stage performing. Just as a performer. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, how? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not into music, so I don't know. I'm into listening to it. I'm into the, I love the industry. I love Nashville. I love the idea mm -hmm. of songwriting. And I've been, I've been writing some songs. I'm going to, I'm going to play. I think we talked about this the other day. Yeah. We talked about it the other day though. You write them down and they're hard to do, but I want you to listen to a couple I've done mm -hmm. and just see what I think, because I'm like, these are good to me. And then I, when you, you're like, should I let somebody else? read these lyrics and then you're always again like well we watch this episode of the fat life and tell me what you think and then now all of a sudden i'm like will you listen to this song that i wrote mm -hmm. and tell me what you think or read the lyrics and see if i'm on to something here <laughs> but hey that's the thing about life is in what we do in america is we get the opportunity to at least try it yep never said that i was the best i just want to try it nobody knew that when when they when some people wrote the songs that they wrote that they were going to do the things that they did right exactly they never did no so it's just one of those deals to where it's one of those, it's one of those things to where you have to, you have to figure in, am I going to go all in? Am I going to go all for broke? Am I going to do the things that it takes to become the best at what I want to be the best at? Am I going to be as passionate as I possibly can be to, to elevate myself? And that's what you're doing with your, with your content. It goes right back to how we started this is that, if you're in, you're in and you're going to sacrifice and you're going to do what it takes to elevate yourself and become a sponsored hunter or a pro fisherman or a pro hunter or fly the flag of all of these brands and, 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 and have somebody entrust in you to do the things that you do. And it doesn't come again. I want people to understand it doesn't come overnight. It doesn't just happen because you're lucky. It happens because you've set yourself apart on excellence. Yep. If you strive for excellence, if you don't settle for bullshit and you just don't, and you're not mediocre and mediocrity doesn't suit you, then you can say, you know what? Yeah. I deserve this. I used to put in my hat in college in pro ball, I used to put I S O E in search of excellence in search of excellence. And I just, I've always just, that's just been my, my thing. Like I've been the, the captain of all my teams I've ever been on. Not because I, that's what I wanted. That's just because of my work ethic. So same thing. I mean, the same goes with the content. I'm just always trying, and I'm so critical of everything that I do. And even people that I work with are like, dude, that looks amazing. I'm like, no, it's horrible. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, because I'm, oh, I'm just so I hard do, on myself. I do it too. So that's, that's the kind of stuff it takes. And, and some of the things that we've talked about, like we're writing songs, I sometimes get, a, if I have a flaw, or I have many flaws, but one of my flaws is that I try to do too much at one time. I try to have too many irons and too many fires, as my mom always says, or too many, I think that's what it's, what it's called. Yeah, but, too many irons in the fire. Yeah. And if you think about what, what you're saying in search of excellence is that you're either going to... And I'm never going to make it, right? I'm never going to yeah, get that's, there. That's the but, search, though. Yeah. That's the search. And that's the, that's the thing about sacrifice and everything and saying, you know what, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to be responsible for my livelihood. I'm going to go out and try to create a brand, grow a brand, become something. It's not, it's, it's not for everybody to do. It's, that's why you got to have a team that people understand their role and there's nothing more important than that support. But that's where, yeah. that's where I think. I'm this, trying to get that. I'm yeah, trying to get to that where I have a team and it's not just me. And, yeah. I, you, know, and you got a team behind you, I think. Already. Yeah, my, have, I, mean, my, my, I got a a good foundation behind me that support me, obviously my family, um, you know, kids, a huge supporter of me, like a mentor. Like, I'm glad you I'm, said that. I don't want, I don't want to, I want to leave this conversation on this note of what, because I don't think that we ever give him the due diligence or the due justice that he deserves. He is 100% the, one of the best guys that I've ever met personally, mm -hmm. his, the way that he gives, I just want, just tell me like, who is he and what, what does he mean to you? Like to me, like, 
he's kind of like a ghost because I don't want to blow him up on a text, even though I'm so interested in what he's achieved in life. I don't want to be that guy of like, hey, man, take me under your wing and show me this because he's always like, whenever you're in Florida, you're on my boat, we're fishing, we're catching sails, marlins, mahi, whatever you want to do. But I don't want to be that guy that's like in his, like it's almost, is he, is he, is he really like real? Like is yeah. like, is like all the shit that he's accomplished he's, he's real because like he just takes person. it with a grain of salt. He's just a yeah. good person. Every single person I, that I introduce him to or whatever is like, he's the best human being I've ever met in my life. Hundred percent. Every, every person that comes to the house is like, I want that. I want that to be my next, my, my, my best friend. Yeah. So to me, he's my, one of my best friends, um, a mentor. I mean, just everything. I mean, I don't know every, I don't know everything in life happens for a reason. And I'm just super glad that I, I you're lucky. You're lucky, but here's the deal, bro. I'm lucky that he isn't read the book called the harder you work, the luckier you get. We all create our own look, our own luck. You either have a work ethic or you don't. My dad always told me you're put on earth for two things. You're going to love your family and you're going to work. If you don't want to work, then you ain't going to amount to shit. And if, if you don't have a work ethic, then you're not going to set yourself apart. You're not going to meet somebody like Kip who's going to allow you the opportunities to do what we've read off of the certificate right here, which is absolutely amazing. So as my friend, to be able to say that you're the world record holder of the Billfish Royal Slam Club, the International Game Fish Association. I want to go over this list one more time before we say ah, hasta la vista, because we're going to the grand opening of Ruth Chris Steakhouse tonight at the Silver Legacy Resort and Casino that our good friends, the Corano family owns. After that, they're treating us to a VIP experience for our boy. Rodney Carrington from Oklahoma. Like he does this skit about Toby Keith and I just laugh my ass off every time. But to Ronnie Carrington, dude, I, need a good laugh. I cannot wait for tonight to laugh. But listen to this one more time. Brett Cannon, Billfish Royal Slam Club, the International Game Fish, Fish so I keep saying Game Fish, Game Fish Association, Species, Spearfish, Pacific Blue Marlin, Pacific Sailfish, Striped Marlin, White Marlin, Atlantic blue marlin, Atlantic sailfish, swordfish, and the black marlin. The dates range from April 9th of 2013 through May 4th of 2013. That's freaking 26 days. And in the line above it, it says, this is presented, present, presented, presented to Brett Cannon for successfully catching the below listed fish within his or her lifetime. You did it in 26 freaking days in these locations. Kona, Hawaii, Flamingo, Costa Rica, Cap Cana, Dominican Republic, Miami, Florida, Marathon, Florida, and Esmouth, or Exmouth, Australia. Yeah. Dude, good for you, bro. The Thanks. world record holder, Brett Cannon, Florida, yeah. transplant from Dallas, Texas. They say everything's bigger in Texas. This guy's ego is not. He has no ego, and he's but, done it. He's been on. there, done that. I do want to. Before this is over, I want to thank you. But not about me. Don't say it on yeah. here. Because people yeah. always think that I ask no. people to say this kind no, no, of stuff. No, no, you don't. You don't. Honestly, you are one of my mentors, too. And you mean appreciate a big it. part of my life. And I wouldn't be where I am without you, too. Just want people to know that. Well, I appreciate that. And I wouldn't be where I am with where I am without the support of friends like you. And, you know, just to know what you've done and what Kit's done and what Tim Maddox done and what Timmy Maddox getting ready to do. And now they're wearing banded and they're watching the foul life and they're supporting everything that we do. I'm humbled by it. I'm excited about tonight. We have another guest coming up, our buddy Brian McGahee. He's the founder, co-founder, and president of Gator Coolers, one of our badass partners here at The Foul Life, and this life ain't for everybody. He just flew in from Louisiana. He's going to join us tonight for a... I don't know what he's going to eat. Could you imagine like a Cajun, a Cajun walking into a Ruth Chris and they'd be like, can I take your order? He'd be like, y'all got gator. Y'all Give got me them frog legs. Yeah, frog legs. <laughs> I love it, dude. I can't wait. Dude, that's one thing I can't wait to talk to him about is Cajun cooking. Like oh, I'm talking like, you know what boudin is? Well, I'm, my girlfriend's Cajun. Do you eat boudin? Um, not really, but okay, I'm, wait I till you Okay, wait till you. I think he brought us some. So coming up next is going to be Brian McGahee out of Gator Coolers out of the great state of Louisiana. This life ain't for everybody, guys. Brett Cannon is blessed in his life, but trust me, he wasn't born into any unbelievable sperm count. He's worked for it. He has dedicated his life to excellence. Like you said, he's in search of it. He'll never find it, but that's what we're striving for every day. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Make sure that you get ready for an unbelievable Christmas 2018. Remember to say Merry Christmas and not just Happy Holidays when you're talking to people. If you see somebody in uniform, if they're a police officer, a public servant, EMT, firefighter, say thank you. If you see somebody that's in uniform of our military or a hat that says they fought in the Korea War or Vietnam, 
walk up to them and shake their hand, say Merry Christmas. And I saw this deal last night, this volunteer out in the outskirts of Detroit, Michigan, goes around and he hangs up lights How awesome for freaking veterans and, and first responders that, that can't do it by themselves anymore. That is awesome. One of the best things I've done is take those guys. Uh, me too. I love it. Our, our team has done so, I feel we do so much for the military because we can never repay them for what they do for us. And yeah. But guys, appreciate the support. Get thank ready you. for a great Christmas. Brett, thank you for being here. Thank Guys, you, check out Brett on Instagram at Brett underscore Cannon, C-A-N-N-O-N. New YouTube series starting, new podcast starting. He's not going to give us the name, but I think I named it today. When the Cannon goes boom, that's a, cool, that's a good ass <laughs> name. Tom, go ahead and get ready to start playing that song. What you going to do when the money's all gone my by boy our Lee. boy, Leith Lofton. He's the from, man, he's the, the Mississippi the boy, but he's living in Nashville, Music City, USA. New episodes of Foul Life Season 10 right now on the Outdoor Channel. Check out the merch store at thefowllife.com. We're excited as heck, guys. Again, we got our boy Brian from Gator Coolers coming up. Stay with us for more awesome guests right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm Chad Belding for Brett Cannon. Ask yourselves this question. What you gonna do when the money's all gone? Cannon, go boom. Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?